Hi, everyone. My name is Brandy, and I am the Associate Director for Communications and Strategy. This is the very first episode of Varying Viewpoints podcast series, a series that will share and promote innovative scholarship that focuses on diversifying leadership, enhancing equity, and fostering justice in higher education. Our first episode will focus on ANPZs, or Asian American, Native American, Pacific Islander serving institutions, and will be a collaborative effort with the National Center for Institutional Diversity at the University of Michigan. Today's guests are some of the leading scholars researching these institutions, Dali Nguyen and Tai Nguyen. Dali Nguyen is an assistant professor of education at Oregon State University. Her research examines how categorization reveals, maintains, and mitigates inequality in education with particular attention to racial and organizational classifications. In combination, these areas of research have manifested in studies on minority-serving institutions, ethnic stratification, and organizational behavior and change. Dali's work has been published in American Educational Research Journal, Review of Research and Education, and Review of Higher Education. Her current projects are supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Spencer Foundation. Tai Nguyen is an assistant professor of education at Seattle University and a senior research associate for our center. His work clusters around the role of broad access institutions, including community colleges and minority serving institutions, and mitigating racial and social class inequity. Some of the recent projects include exploring the contributions of historically black colleges and universities in diversifying the STEM and professional health workforce, a five-year ethnographic study on the pathways to a four-year STEM degree for low-income students at community colleges, and a national study on Asian American, Native American, Pacific Islander serving institutions, or ANAPZs. Ty is the co-author with Mary Beth Gassman of Making Black Scientists, A Call to Action, which was recently published by Harvard University Press. His work has also been published in the Review of Research in Education, British Journal of Sociology of Education, American Educational Research Journal, the Review of Higher Education, and Teachers College Record. Funding for his research comes from the National Science Foundation, the Spencer Foundation, the Helmsley Charitable Trust, and in 2017, Ty was recognized as an emerging scholar by diverse issues in higher education. Ty earned his PhD from the University of Pennsylvania. Thank you both for joining us and for being the first guest on our podcast series and for all of the important work that you're doing on NPZs and just the institutions that are supporting underrepresented students. So let's get started. Can you explain what NPZs are and what prompted you to study NPZs? Thanks for having us, Brandy. Um, so the easiest way to explain NPZs, uh, which are the long name for them are Asian American and Native American Pacific Islander serving institutions, and what Ty and I will refer to as NFPZ uh, moving forward, is that they're the newest addition to the broader umbrella of minority serving institutions, which include historically Black colleges and universities, tribal colleges and universities, and Hispanic serving institutions. NFPCs are institutions that have a concentration of low-income Asian American Pacific Islander students and are particularly interested and seek out funding to serve those students. Theoretically speaking, um, NFPCs are really, if not the only, one of very few legislative signals of support for low-income API students who are a population of students um, that are not only misunderstood in terms of their vast representation in higher education, that 
need support and resources. And the PCs are a symbolic signal of the fact that there are a body of API students who require these resources and attention. And what prompted me to study NFPCs, I think to start, is a general interest in learning more about the AEPI student population um, and understanding what disparities are hidden among the population. And given that NFPCs are kind of an entry point to studying that population, um, I initially became invested in NFPCs as a graduate student and have been continuously looking to understand the various mechanisms that produce the inequality that AEPI students face, and NPCs have been a vehicle in which to do so. Great. Thank you so much. I certainly want to echo Dolly's sentiments about um, what NPCs are, and I'll, I'll, I'll briefly add that AAPI students, especially um, Asian American students, as, as we certainly want to draw a distinction between Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, but oftentimes uh, Asian Americans um, are rendered invisible in American higher education. And so anapesis is, as Dolly has mentioned, is a way for us to explore and to understand their experiences. And so in many ways, focusing on anapesis is a way to keep higher education accountable to the issues and challenges that certainly remain and endure for Asian American students. Thank you both. Based on your research, what has been some of the critical findings regarding anapesis? First, it's important to sort of lay out some assumptions about about MSIs very quickly. Oftentimes, research will conflate the four main types. So we have historically black colleges tribal colleges, Hispanic-serving institutions, and anapesis. But it's really important to understand that Hispanic-serving institutions and anapesis, many of them are actually historically white institutions. And so because by virtue of their historical origins, they evolve and have different issues and challenges distinct from HBCUs and, and tribal colleges. And because of that distinction, you know, in our study, there were some institutions that, that certainly understood what being an anapesi was. And then there were other institutions that really held on and, and really embraced that identity. So I, I think the first major finding is that just because you're an anapesi doesn't mean that you are equally committed to embracing that identity and allowing that embrace to truly shape how you support AAPI students. I would say a second major finding would be that, you know, how institutions think about being an anapesi, and actually many of our institutions were dual, meaning they were both anapesi as well as HSI. And in many ways, it allowed us to really get a sense of how they thought about navigating the racial politics of supporting both Asian American students as well as Latinx students. And through that, we were able to sort of well, earlier on, Dolly talked about how, you know, working with and understanding NPC is a way to also understand broader racial issues in American higher education. And so what we found was that by looking at how institutions think about being an NPC, how they internalize that and how they use those internalizations to shape their work, we in fact are able to understand the institutional logics of racial equity meaning the term equity is oftentimes 
so common, but yet not necessarily defined very well. So by understanding how institutions do their anapesi identity, we are able to understand how they define equity, how they think about their populations, and how that actually translates into their practices and policies. Dolly? Yeah, so I think Ty hit it on the mark by first laying out the assumptions, um, which was really important for us. And I reiterate that because it points to how we've moved forward in carrying out our methodological choices that have also been quite revealing in our research. So, for example, Ty had just mentioned that there's an assumption that once an institution receives an anapesi, that they all kind of become this new sector, this new category that embodies a certain something. But that certain something is not equal across the board, as Ty mentioned. Institutions all enact and embody that anapesi designation or MSI designation generally quite differently. And because of that, what we realized is that we needed to look at each institution within their individualized context, while also similarly examining how larger structural forces influence that institutional embodiment of the designation. And so that assumption kind of led us to think about what we had to do to carry out our research. So one of the choices that we've made, which I think is a revealing finding, is who we decided to engage with at each of our partner institutions. So a lot of former research on minority-serving institutions has relied on a um, focus on the specific program that is funded by the Anapesi funding or the MSI funding. And while that's really critical for establishing the relevant significance and impact of that program, what it does not necessarily do or what it's constrained by is the narrow perspectives of those individuals who are specifically touched by the funding. But it doesn't necessarily say anything about the broader institution. So what Ty and I really sought to do is to understand how higher education institutions as a whole in their vastness, really make sense of the designation? Does the librarian equally know about and interact with the NMPZ as a faculty member or a student that's in STEM versus a student that's in Asian American studies? And so the vastness of our methodological approach to cut an entire cross-section of the organization it has been a revealing finding for us in terms of how an institution as a whole, not just the program, embodies the designation. And in doing so, reveals what Ty had mentioned in terms of understanding the broader logics of how stakeholders who represent an entire institution navigate and make sense of racial equity. Can I add to that? So definitely building off of, of Dolly's point about our intentions around who we chose to engage with. So, you know, for us, before we started this, this project, you know, we certainly reviewed the prior research on MSIs broadly, specifically Hispanic serving institutions. And to note, there isn't very much published research on anapesis. And so really, we really had to lean on the research related to HSIs, HBCUs, and, and, and TCUs. We want to provide a really strong foundation. And so we took a step back 
to really identify those assumptions. And what we found is that is that to really understand how institutions embrace this identity, you have to engage with the individuals who are in power, who actually make the choices and how institutions think about these designations. So unlike prior studies related to Hispanic serving institutions, where they might talk to some students or some staff and administrators and some faculty, we were very intentional about really engaging with the individuals who had the power and the authority to determine how their institution was going to engage and embrace their anapesi designation. Now, of course, we certainly did interview those without power, you know, to get a broad understanding. But this study makes a strong methodological contribution by really understanding how institutions embraced designations. And we would argue that the only way that you can do that is to be able to interview individuals who are at the helm of determining exactly what each institution is going to do related to both their funding and their designation. So you both recently collaborated on a series with the National Center for Institutional Diversity, or NCID, at the University of Michigan. The series, which can be found on the NCID website, was a compilation of research on anapesis. What did you believe was critical to include or highlight in the series? And how did you ensure the series was complete and comprehensive? So building off of what we've just been talking about, one of the key messages that Ty and I really sought to advance in this series on anapesis with NCID was how do we move forward? Anapesis, um, the designation has just um, recently crossed its 10-year mark. And so as we look forward to the next 10 years, what do we want anapesis or what do we imagine anapesis research will look like? And how does it move forward in um, new and innovative ways. And so one of the critical aspects, both in the introduction of the series as well as in its in its separate piece, is focused on the next steps of anapesi research and how do we push the kinds of conceptual and methodological advancements that allow us to ask different kinds of questions about anapesis. For the last 10 years, it's been really critical that research has established the significance of anapesis, that anapesis have an impact on students, that the designation matters and should continue to be supported. And that has certainly been a very critical effort of many scholars, anapesis scholars before us. But now we have an opportunity to really continue to push that and to ask different kinds of questions. And so that was really one of our key areas of focus. In addition to that, it was equally important for us to include the voices of so many other stakeholders that make anapesis what they are. And that included um, a president of an anapesis, that included practitioners who are enacting anapesis, who are making anapesis work on the ground including graduate students that are doing research on anapesis or working at anapesis. And to bring those individuals in and also ask them to give varying perspectives to anapesis, whether that be historical or the current trends 
of student experiences or leadership perspectives. And I think that approach allowed us to be as comprehensive as possible in capturing not only Anapizi programs and their influence on students, but a broader view of what Anapizis are and how many people they touch and what Anapizis can really embody as we continue to look at them as vehicles for understanding higher education and understanding racial equity in higher education. And I would certainly add to that and just sort of identify the three, you know, for me, the, the three big purposes of this particular project with NCID is one to uh, to certainly elevate anapesies. Oftentimes they are sort of the forgotten stepchild among the MSIs. And by elevating them, um, hopefully we are able to introduce them to people outside of higher education, honestly, you know, to non-experts um, who don't really have an understanding around anapesies or, or MSIs, or for those individuals who are interested in anapesie research, you know, what, what does it take to sort of begin that scholarship? Two, to sort of harken back to, to Dolly's point about bringing diverse perspectives, I think it was really important for us to support and nurture the development of graduate students. So we were very intentional about bringing those individuals on because, you know, they are the new generation of scholars and we want to make sure that their voices are out there. And three, we certainly wanted to highlight the different dimensions of, of NPC scholarship, including providing a historical foundation, understanding the community college experience, because oftentimes when we talk about MSIs, we forget about community colleges. But we also wanted to push the envelope a little bit and really, you know, for those who, who have or haven't read the series, I mean, we ask, we sort of push the envelope a little bit and ask a lot of critical questions because, you know, to be honest, the scholarship on MSIs, I would admit is a bit stale. And so we offer suggestions on how people can really, really elevate the work and really ask questions that are more conceptually interesting and that really advance our theoretical understanding of MSIs and how they are embedded within this broader system of, of both racial oppression as well as hopes for racial equity. Thank you. So you talked a bit about kind of the impact of anapesies, the impact of the scholarship, and asking different questions about these institutions and their impact on their student population. So what do you think are the implications for your research on NPCs? How does this research impact federal and state policies? And what are the impacts on the individual institutions? Well, I think for in, in terms of our work, we, we just finished data collection a few months ago, and we're still sort of determining the preliminary findings. But I, I would broadly say that our work will allow institutions, we are not going to prescribe to institutions what it means to be an anapesi, but I, I believe that our work can provide recommendations on how institutions can go about the process of understanding what it means to be an anapesi within their unique institutional context. And so in many ways, um, I hope that, that our work will provide a roadmap on how institutions think about bringing people to the table, the decisions that they have to make, the populations that will be impacted by it, um, and how they can plan for both those positive as well as negative consequences on their campus. Being an MSI broadly is not race politically neutral in any way. And so institutions will really have to grapple um, with both the negative and the positive results. In terms of 
federal policy. You know, right now at the federal level, designations, I mean, being an MSI, being an HSI is purely a designation that's attached with funding. There is no real symbolic sort of consequence um, at the federal level. But hopefully, um, and I'm sure a lot of my colleagues who do work on HSIs um, would join me in this, and hopefully our work will will sort of inform the federal policies and maybe perhaps encourage policymakers to think differently about the, the federal program, expand it in ways that are more more meaningful and intentional to institutions and not just think about just the money, but how can we support students both financially as well as, as symbolically. Yeah, the only um, thought I would add to that is that Doing research on minority-serving institutions is certainly important for MSIs in and of themselves, but MSIs in some ways represent the demographic future of higher education as we continuously become more demographically diverse. And so whether or not an institution is an MSI, they certainly will have to grapple with the kinds of questions that MSI institutions are being confronted with now. And what that means is that our research or the implications of our research really have broader influence on the system of higher education as it relates to how institutions are going to navigate and make decisions about racial equity on their campuses. And I believe that, and we've approached this work in a manner that allows us to speak to those broader social phenomena so that we can advance research both on MSIs, but also largely on racial equity across the system. Thank you. So you both have already done great work on anapesis and have spotlighted these institutions in your scholarship. Do you think you will continue to explore these institutions? If so, where would you like to delve deeper? As Tyna mentioned um, so far, anapesis for us um, have kind of been an entryway into understanding larger social phenomena about higher education, and they have been a vehicle through which to understand a number of social structural um, realities, such as the positioning of Asian American and Pacific Islander students in higher education, such as the navigation of um, decisions related to race and racial equity. And so for me, in moving forward, what I want to continue to do is to ask questions related to those phenomena? How do we understand the broader sociological and structural conditions of higher education? And for me in particular, how do categories influence those conditions? And so as I move forward, I think doing work on anapesis may be a vehicle in which to do that. But my broader focus is on explaining what is reproducing and maintaining inequality and what opportunities are there for addressing that inequality. I would certainly uh, echo everything that Dolly said. And I would say 
really for the both of us, it's also about advancing scholarship for anapesis, but also helping the new generation of scholars coming after us to really think about building on 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 this foundational work on anapesis and, and moving it forward. So I think, you know, Brandy, when you ask us, you know, what are we thinking? You know, we're certainly thinking about ways where we can be more intentional about providing opportunities for graduate students, perhaps, you know, working with ASH and ARA to really build out a space for, you know, new and sort of budding scholars to work with us to think through, you know, in community, how we can really broaden the scholarship. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. And that was my final question. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add related to your scholarship or just in general? I think I just wanted to make one final comment, which is um, a part of this work is for Ty and me is going in and, as we've mentioned, asking asking really critical questions of the research and asking really critical questions about the assumptions that we're making. But it also includes asking really critical questions about ourselves. And so in order to advance this work and as a call to future scholars doing work, whether that be on anapesis or MSIs or higher education generally, is making the decision to confront those assumptions and to be bold in our findings and to um, seek truth in empirical research has been um, a really critical component of this for us and something that I hope we can um, lend to the future scholars that are doing research um, as we move forward. And I hope that we'll be able to engage in conversations with those scholars as we move forward. Okay. Thank you both so much. I appreciate all that you're doing in terms of your work. You're doing very important work. Thank you for seeking your truth and also sharing that truth with us and being bold in your findings. And I can't wait to hear more about the amazing forthcoming work that you have going on. Thank, Thank you, Randy. Randy.